This is our league, and this is your league. Broadcasting from the 55-yard line in Japan to the shores of the Great White North and everywhere around the world on Gridiron America Radio and the Sports History Network. Welcome to From the 55-Yard Line, another beta test, this time with, as you can see, oh wait, right there, on StreamYard. And uh, we've got, for those of you who are listening, um, you can watch this video over at uh, Gridiron America on YouTube, and uh, the link will be in the liner notes of the show. So it is, again, you know, last week we had Howie Mooney sitting down with us talking. Well, Howie is back, and we and Dave, with Dave and I. And we're, uh, there was a whole whole discussion that we did not have, and that is um, CFL free agency. So last week, Howie took a whole bunch of notes that we never got to. So we're going <laughs> to get to his notes today, and we're going to talk everything free agency and uh, well, go from there. Hey, is there an echo? I thought I heard an echo. I heard something, on too. On my end. Yeah. I heard something, too. So. It sounded like, uh, like dogs trying to scratch through a door or something. Okay. <laughs> And uh, Dave? I'm good. Okay. All right. You didn't hear anything. Okay. All right. So maybe it's just, uh, again, we're, we're test driving new software. But, uh, you know, maybe see, maybe the StreamYard thing will work. So, But we'll see afterwards and, you know, go from there. So anyway, without, uh, without further ado and with me rambling here, Howie, let's talk free agency, man. What's uh, Where do we start with um, CFL free agency? Well, I guess the latest news is the biggest news. Uh, Tim White uh, was the about the highest priced free agent that was out there. And uh, he re-signed with Hamilton. Uh, he was asking in the neighborhood apparently of $300,000 a year. He was the leading receiver in terms of yardage last year in the CFL. And uh, there's a great article on CFL.ca by Don Landry. And uh, he uh, mentioned in there that there was one other team that was interested in white and that was Ottawa. And I messaged uh, Don to find out how close Ottawa may have been in terms of the negotiations there, but he hasn't got back to me at the time of this recording. So uh, Tim white back in Hamilton. And that's about the biggest news that, uh, that I've seen so far. Uh, I think, I believe that the free agent period is, is, is coming to a pretty big close now or pretty soon anyway. But uh, Tim White in Hamilton, back in Hamilton, a whole bunch of other things going on as well at the same time. But uh, just wondering what you guys think of that. Dave? I mean, uh, well, I'm really curious at the end of the day what he signed for. That, that, yeah, I'd like to know that too. Yeah, and, uh, I, I think at some point, because the, the one thing I've been reading about and listening to is this whole issue about marketing money. You have, you have the hard cap and then you have this floor of marketing money that doesn't seem to have a cap so I'm, I'm curious as to see how 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 free agency how free agency ends up with that with some of the the big names and how with so many players changing teams like how that how that came into play like how did that factor in 
Well, you, you look at a guy like Adarius Pickett, who was in uh, Toronto for uh, for a long time and a great, great linebacker, and and he got permission to leave. I mean, his his contract was up, but he got permission to to uh, go to Ottawa. Uh, was and they called it a gentleman's agreement, which I found kind of interesting because, you know, I mean, I know that with with, with the cap and everything like that, that. Toronto was getting rid of a bunch of people. AJ Wallet went out to Saskatchewan, which shocked me. I thought I loved AJ Wallet as a as a running back and as a as a fullback. He's kind of a miniature version of Jerome Bettis, I thought anyway. But uh, you know, especially running straight ahead, he's, he's a hard guy to bring down. He's like a bowling ball. But it just seemed like Toronto was going to let him go, and and and, uh, and they had no problem with that, and uh, surprised the heck out of me. So for them to to lose a Darius Pickett and then to lose AJ Willette and then to uh, sign Liram Hyralahu, who had been in the CFL for a while previously, then went down to the NFL, played with about five or six different teams there, and now he's back in the CFL with Toronto. They let Boris Beattie go, who had just an amazing leg. He could kick one from sixty; it didn't seem with any problem. Uh, and, and now Boris Beattie's gone. I think he's in the he's in the West. I've, I've got to look that up where he is, where he resigned, but. Uh, where he signed, but uh, Boris Boris Beattie gone, who was a real fan favorite in in Toronto as well. Yeah. As was as was AJ Willette. I mean, a lot of people were angry in Toronto at Pinball Clemens, which never happens. Pinball Clemens is is just the. the most I've never loved. heard a bad word about him. Never, yeah. never. And I mean, I met him a couple of years ago at a game, and uh, you know, just he's one of those people. And I, I mean, I, I've said this a number of times. He's one of those people that he makes you feel like he's happier to meet you than you are to meet him when you meet him. Uh, and, and that's a small, there's a small group of people that are they're in that group. Uh, Jean Beliveau was in that group. Johnny Bauer was in that group. Uh, Walter Gretzky was in that group. Uh, but, uh, you know, pinball's in that group as well. And, and uh, so for, for the Toronto, for some Toronto fans to turn on pinball was just a shock to me as well. So, I guess the the question I I have off of that because I mean just looking at the the roster changes, looking at the players are still available, and looking out there, and I don't mean to, if I'm jumping ahead with this question, but I'm just curious. You think there was a concerted effort in Toronto to maybe cut some, obviously cut some payroll, but maybe then try and sign like sign like a lucky whitehead to fill some gaps? Like I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of. If they got a, they released the fan favorite kicker, but probably got a cheaper kicker. They were, they were, they let, they released a fan favorite running back and got a cheaper running back. Who's good? I mean, there's, I, I can even care. He's very good running back. Got me lots of points in fantasy football over the years. <laughs> it, it just seems like they've downgraded in salary on positions to seems like almost put themselves in a position to make one more strike if possible. Just curiosity. Yeah. I think that their goal, one of their priorities in the offseason was to re-sign uh, Chad Kelly, a quarterback, and then and then also to strengthen their offensive line. And I I mean I believe that by like I said, like you said, Kadeem Carey's not a bad running back. He's a pretty good running back, period. Uh he's a guy that a lot of teams would love to have. But to me, AJ Willette was a guy I, I just I thought he's young. You know, he's still got a bunch of good years left. Why not keep him? But I guess they thought otherwise. I I agree. I agree. And Saskatchewan got a deal. I mean, that they, oh. what a, what a, that was, that was such a, I would, I'm just thinking, I was shocked when I heard that because I didn't think he was 
going anywhere. It just seems like he was a he was a perfect fit for the Argos for years and years to come. Absolutely. You know, and then you look at, at, at the Argos, they lost Trayvon Tate, one of their offensive linemen to Calgary. Yep. Uh, you know, a couple other guys as well, you know, on, on the defense. But but to me, seeing Boris Beattie go and the outcry after he left and then the outcry after Ouellette left, that, that uh, it struck me. It just really did. It struck me uh, intensely. Well, I, I think the, the big thing is you just didn't hear anything. You didn't, you, you didn't hear anything towards the end of the season. You heard nothing during the offseason of, we're going to release him. Like you just did not hear anything. And all of a sudden, boom, release. And then boom, all of a sudden it was just, it was just out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely. Yeah. You're right. It absolutely was. I, I look at Ottawa though. And I, 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 I'm, I mean, having grown up with Ottawa football as a kid and, you know, having been in, in the, uh, in the building in, in at BMO field in Toronto in 2016 to see Ottawa win the gray cup, my my hope, my hope, and you never know how this is. I mean, you could win free agency, but you can you can get, be killed in you know the regular season the following year. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's no correlation between one and the other. But I hope, I hope that Ottawa strengthened their lineup. I mean, as we all know in football, everything emanates from the line of line of scrimmage out. And if you yeah. have a good offensive line, you and a, a line that can block for the run and block for the pass, then you can pretty much do anything you want. But I mean, Ottawa's offensive line has been porous over the last few years, and I'm hoping would, as an Ottawa fan, that their offensive line is strong enough that 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 it can lead them to a postseason berth anyway. Well, right off right off the bat, you have a really good uh, quarterback discussion, and who's going to yeah. start? Like, right? Yeah, it's going to go right up till June 13th. Like, it's going to be right up until that morning. And I mean, the way the thing too, the way that training camps work in the CFL, you never know who's going to last and who's not going to last. Yeah. I mean, I, I we, we can go back years and years and years, and every year there seems to be a surprise guy that's packing all of his stuff into a green garbage bag, you know, partway through camp or two-thirds yep. of the way through camp and getting cut, a guy that everybody in the team loves. And, you know, we, yeah. we've seen that, we see that every year on every team. And it goes to show you just how different the Canadian game is too because you get a lot of – a lot of kids, you know, I mean, all of us are old enough now. We can call them kids from down in the States that think, oh, I, I can, I can, I can, I can tear up this league. And then they go up and they, you know, for whatever reason, just completely, because it's com- a completely different game compared to what they're used to playing. And I don't know if it's because the field's wider, longer, three downs. I mean, I don't think it's the food. I don't think it's the culture. I don't think it. Uh, I, I just. I've. It's always boggled my mind uh, when you see that. You see guys that were like can't miss, and I mean, I we can go through the list of names that have come up from the states to Canada that have just never, never made it. So, now, question question for Howie. Yes, especially especially quarterbacks. How long do you think? How long do you think it, it really takes for a quarterback? who's coming from the States, played college football, and then signs or comes up to the CFL to really understand the throws, understand the field, the, the width, and, and getting that ball outside. It's, it's such a different throw that you see so many, so many quarterbacks just struggle with that, even who have strong arms. It, it, it differs per guy. I mean, every guy's different. Uh, you look at a guy like, like uh, you know, your, your friend, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, who played in Edmonton, uh, you know, a great quarterback. Uh, 
why am I having a brain cramp now? But anyway, I think of J.C. Watts when J.C. Watts came up from Oklahoma. J.C. Watts was ran, ran the uh, the run, you know, the, the option basically uh, down there in college. He came up and was able to throw. He wanted to prove to everybody that he could throw the ball, and he was able to. At the same time, you had Vince Ferragamo come up, and Vince Ferragamo had taken the L.A. Rams to the Super Bowl, you know, two years or a year and a half earlier. Got to Montreal, could not could not handle the intricacies of, of the Canadian game at all. Couldn't handle the wider field. He couldn't handle the 12th man. He couldn't handle the, the yard off the, the line of scrimmage. He couldn't handle the, the motion. None of it, none of it ever, ever resonated in it with him. And he ended up going back to the NFL and, and playing there, but he, he just could not get the, the CFL game whatsoever. Uh, struggled all that 81 season while, while you had a guy, first year guy in JC Watts uh, come up and lead Ottawa to the Grey Cup. And uh, they should have won the game. Uh, I mean, we're going back more than 40 years now, and, and it still resonates. The de- double interference call on, on uh, Tony Gabriel, uh, where both both guys were penalized at the same time. Never been called before, never been called since. The uh, referee who called, made the call that, that penalty, uh, that was his last game working in the CFL. He was kicked upstairs and never seen on a field again. But, uh, you know, you know, you talk about that, and it... it David differs quarterback by quarterback by quarterback. Matt Dunnigan was able to to absorb it. Damon Allen was able to absorb it. But a lot of other guys come up and they just can't. And it, I don't know why that is. I, I don't. I don't want to say it's it, it's it's between the ears, because that's not fair. Uh, you know, to be a quarterback at any level, you have to have it between the ears. Uh, right. But but just to get to to get to all of a sudden. You got twelve men on the field. You've got you've got your 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 offensive line, your five men, but then you've got an array of receivers. You've got slot receivers. You got wide receivers. You got guys in the backfield. You know, it, it, there's a lot going on. There's yeah. a lot of movement, yes. motion everywhere. Yes, and and some guys can handle it, and some guys just can't. And I I, I don't know if that's a an, a good answer to your question, but that's about the best no, it, answer that I can think of. Perfect, because I've seen so many different. So many different people respond like how how that works and it's it's really I always look for um, a better a better voice than myself because I've seen it but I you you've seen and, and witnessed a lot more than I have yeah. you know I mean then, I, I think of guys sorry I was gonna say I think of guys in the CFL that there were quarterbacks in the CFL I, I mean you know you look at Dieter Brock who played for for years in Winnipeg and I was and just Hamilton. gonna ask you I was just gonna ask you about him. Yeah, Dieter Brock then went down to L.A. and and uh, Georgia Frontieri loved him and uh, uh, you know played with the Rams for a while and and uh, did well there. Did okay there. Uh, Jeff he Garcia, did great until guy. he got he did great until he got to that uh, '85 uh, NFC Championship and literally got mugged by the Bears defense. Yes, well, I mean everybody got mugged by the Bears defense though <laughs> that year. Warren Moon. Warren Moon is a great example. A guy who was spectacular uh, in in yes. Edmonton. But I, I recall that 81 Grey Cup too, where he just couldn't get things going in that first half. Ottawa, sure. Ottawa's defense, uh, they, they they gave the appearance of, of blitzing and then they they would hold their linebackers back. And a buddy of mine, uh, Rick Sovieta, was a linebacker for Ottawa. Uh, he, and he picked off a, a Warren Moon pass uh, in the first half. And I asked him about it, you know, years later. And he says, Howie, I got lucky. He says, Moon threw the ball so hard that it stuck in my face mask. And I just couldn't. You know. and, but you know, Rick, Rick was such a, a, he was such a wonderful guy, such a modest guy. And if you look at the, if you go back and look at the, at the, uh, the tape, because it's on YouTube, you can find it. Uh, he made a great play on it. He, he, he knocked it out of the air. It hung there for a second. He grabbed it and 
you know, didn't want to make any mistakes with it, so he just fell down to the ground. But but he made a great play on it. It didn't stick in his face mask. But Rick is such a was such a wonderful, wonderful guy. And then there's Joe Cap. Joe Cap, yeah, another one. Absolutely. I mean, you look at Doug Flutie too. Doug Flutie, yeah. the the, uh, the hard time that he had in the in the NFL because he wasn't six foot five, and uh, comes up to the CFL and it has the mobility that that uh, you know is such a plus in the Canadian game with the wider field. Uh, and you know, unless there's a, a spy on him all the time, you, you know, he's going to be able to do whatever he wants, and, and he did in the CFL, and then went down back down to the NFL and was just had had the biggest steel job of of anybody when he wasn't allowed to play in that last playoff game uh and and um you know just in buffalo and and ah you know we, we all everybody up here in canada was cheering became buffalo fans uh, you know when when he went back down there and then it was, i can't remember which johnson it was that was the the other quarterback in buffalo at the time but you know he went in there and and, and did nothing rob Rob Johnson, thank you. I'm sorry, we, Dave. I should have asked oh, you right away. We, we we don't talk about that game because it was a forward lateral. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That is correct. But that, and, I digress. Uh, yeah, and then lastly, just about going back to the Joe Cap thing. Joe Cap is one of my favorite trivia questions. Who is the only quarterback ever to win an NFL and CFL title? Yeah, and and he was the only coach to win an NFL. No, sorry, and he didn't win an NFL title. Uh, but uh, Bud Grant, Bud Grant NFC. won an NFL title. NFC. Right? No, they were still the NFL. That was the last oh, year before okay, the right. merger. You're right. You're right. You're right. That you're my was mistake. The last yeah. I, and it's funny with that because you know anytime I would toss that out on social media, it's like throwing meat. You know, especially it's like throwing meat out to the pack of wolves. That 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 was it. No, no, no. The trophy said NFL title. You're right. Yeah, you're right. So hey, I digress. That's okay. So so back to free agency. So what what other moves did we have? For that surprised you for where we're currently at with the free agency. Well, how about you, Dave? What's what move surprised you? And, and I what, mean, those, those the, the basically two guys from Toronto were with us with the big, just the biggest surprise. Like I said, I just not see them. And they, and I guess my next would be I wasn't, I guess I wasn't looking at Winnipeg to, to make splashes, but how quiet they were. That well, I guess I, that, I, that surprised me. For for me, I wrote down in on my one of their priorities was to get Brady Oliveira and and uh, Schoen, uh locked up, and they did that. True. They did it with both guys, and, and what they did too by signing Dalton Schoen to the amount that they did, they kind of lowered lowered the market yes. for a guy like Tim White when it when yep. it came time for Tim White to sign. You know, Hamilton said, "Well, look what Schoen uh, just signed for. We can't give you three hundred thousand. We'll give you you know X, but uh, yeah. uh, it wasn't it wasn't the three hundred thousand that he was looking for." And I, I guess I never really, I never looked at those two. I guess I was, I was looking at those two as automatic resigns. I, I really didn't think, I didn't think Winnipeg was going to let. I, I would, I guess, venture to say I, I see Winnipeg lose somebody else than than lose those two guys when it when it came time to to focus on who to resign, and then and then who to let go. I mean, it just, I, I, I guess that was just the way I thought. No, I, I, I get that, um, and. I don't know if you've heard this, Dave or Greg, but uh, some of the rumors that were coming out over the last month or so 
like Mike O'Shea being lured to coach in the NFL, which I just I what I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, I thought that but, was I weird mean, too. But you know what? Nothing would surprise me. I mean, I'm an old man now. Nothing would surprise me. But I I think in the back of my mind, I would feel kind of surprised or betrayed or something if if Mike O'Shea was to leave the CFL. It's just he's just one of those guys. Be wondering if the. <laughs> I don't know if you can do this, but I can see him as one of the people that CFO wouldn't let leave. You can't go. Like, <laughs> uh, well, but you know what, though? There are there are owners in the NFL, uh, not all, not a lot, but there are some that look at the CFL as, as kind of a proving ground. And I mean, Mike O'Shea, if anybody's proved himself in the oh, yeah. CFL, it's Mike O'Shea. And But unfortunately, with the CFL, the last... CFL coach that came down was Mark Trestman and you know right. he was two two years and done with the Bears and to me I mean you know, watching that whole thing unfold in Chicago um the way the talk was I mean it went I mean the CFL was completely dismissed when he got hired and it the reputation of the CFL only got worse because of his poor performance so the so then it makes me wonder because of Mark Trussman, do CFL coaches have a chance now? You know, do any? I mean, do, do NFL owners are they even looking at the CFL for when I for when I think coaches? of Mark when I think of Mark Trussman though, Greg, when I when I looked at him, how much of okay, how much of the record coupled with his very quiet demeanor uh, combined to to uh, make people dismiss the the CFL and Mark Trussman the way that they did? And I think that's it. I I don't, you know, he, his demeanor, the way he approached the game. I mean, we clearly, clearly everybody, he, you know, he won a championship. Hell, he went back and won another championship afterwards. Yeah. So, but then again, too, let's, let's be honest with you. It's the Chicago Bears. Yeah. And that whole, that whole franchise is just nothing but dysfunction as we, you know, God, I've lost count how many coaches have come and gone since he got let go. Side question right here. Uh, what does Chicago do at the draft this year? Well, I don't know. I, you know, I would actually defer to, to my friend John Gunning over at the Gridiron Japan podcast because he's a, even though he's from Ireland, he's a bigger Bears fan than me. He's more kind of tuned into that than I am. My Listen, I've been watching the Bears for, God, 50 years now. They know how to screw things up. <laughs> and I'm just expecting that, you know, I mean, hell, they traded up for Mitch Trubisky and passed on Patrick Mahomes. That's all you have to know. That's really yeah. all you have to know about this franchise. My Cardinals, not much better. Um, though I still say if Kyler Murray flames out, he's going to the CFL because he's built for the CFL. Yes, but I think that now a lot of – NFL GMs and a lot of NFL coaches are a lot more open to a Kyler Murray style or Lamar, you know, Lamar style of, of quarterback than they ever have been in the past. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, they say it, they, they're, it's gotten to the point now and you saying that they've even they they say it all the time. Now it seems like on TV, they're always mentioning how the NFL has become much more like the CFL in terms of just the style of play, the wideouts. And, you know, it there's that 
you know, nobody, nobody has a fullback anymore. I mean, you've got really one or two guys pounding the ball, but the fullbacks pretty much disappeared. So, but the NFL, their style of play now, yeah, it's, it's all, you know, you look at it going, oh yeah, they do, you know, they've been doing this for years in the CFL. Well, the running back on a second or third contract is disappearing too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you look at Saquon and Saquon's looking around for a team now and, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, uh, it's terrible, but the game has changed so much too. Uh, you, you know, and I, I don't want uh, there are clouds out there, and I don't want to start yelling at them because I'm, you know, but, <laughs> but that's how I feel right now. I, I you know, d- d- you know, bemoaning the fact that that running backs aren't aren't as important as they used to be. I, I, I might as well be an old man yelling at clouds. Yeah, it's okay though. I mean, it's it. I mean, that era of football that we grew up with. I mean, let's face it, it's gone. But it's probably gone for all the right reasons because, let's face it, um, you look at the injuries these guys went through. The head, can, the, you know, just everything. Guys dying young, your Dave Dewersons. The, the, the game is a lot it, – it's still a – it's still a brutal game, but it's, it's become safer and at least, you know, hopefully these, guys, these kids are going to live longer because of the fact that – the style of play has changed. And I will also jump in and say, I think the quality of the athlete is just, it's it's grown leaps and bounds. Like it's running back committee now because you need that, you need that fresh running back on every single play. You can't ride a Walter Payton for 35 carries a game or, 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 Otis Anderson or or name that running back who'd get 35 carries a game. It just doesn't, you, you want, you, 10, 12 rushes, 15, next guy up, and just keep rotating players in because that's how that's how thin the margin of error now is in the NFL. It, it's, but then you'll it, hear individual guys saying, I need to touch the ball 20 times a game in yep. order to, to, to feel like I'm in the game. Yep. Yeah. And, and Mary, Sanders, uh, Mary Sanders is my guy, by the way. Yeah, went, through, went, went through a whole season, went through a couple seasons with uh, Stefan Diggs here in Buffalo. Yeah. He wants to and give it to him. Like, like he is a great wide receiver. And I can understand when you have a lot of weapons and you have Josh Allen, who's going to run 10, 15 times a game, that's 10 or 15 less passes. So it's it, understand completely. And he, he just came out the other day and said he wanted to retire as a bill. So that was, that was nice to hear him say, but, um, but it's just, it's just changed. It's not the, the, the style of, of going back and I'm going to date myself here with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reed. Those are the, the, the three, the three pegs of the bills offense for a decade. And then you have wheel in James Lofton or a Don Beebe here and there, and you get changeable tight ends, but those three guys were there the entire time. Yeah. 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 It's just, and, um, and Dave, it's funny because you mentioned, well, that used to be the the, the standard thing is for a team to have a three headed monster. You know, yes. everybody yeah. had the three-headed monster in in, in Dallas. You Cowboys? had Aikman. Yeah. You had uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Michael Irvin and uh, and and uh, my, my brain's gone today. But you know who I'm talking about. And uh, Emmett yeah, Smith. Um, yeah, and uh, and it's funny too because we're sitting here talking about guys of yesteryear, and I just dawned on me as we're standing, like Dave's the youngest of the group here, so his <laughs> frame of reference. <laughs> Not and by that much. 
and I'm and I, well, I'm, and then I'm thinking back, you know, back with the Steelers of the '70s, you had, you know, your three-headed monster. Um, <laughs> nobody gives credit to Terry Bradshaw for winning any for 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 winning all those, you know, for winning four Super Bowls. But he had Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer in that backfield, and then he yeah. had Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. So yeah, um, and you can even say with the Cowboys too. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Staubach. Um, you know, Tony Dosette in the backfield, and then his, yeah, it just he can go, yeah. It, uh, I'm sorry, it, it's just so hard to like. I look at Terry Bradshaw stats two of the two of the four Super Bowls he won, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns during the season. <laughs> I, got, I get it, but it was a the, the passing game was a whole different animal, in yeah. Well, in, in the early I mean, 80s. We're, we're going down another tangent, but I mean, yes. when people discount <laughs> when people discount Joe Namath. It just drives me crazy because, yeah, I mean, he didn't have the the, the numbers that you'd see the the, the uh, video game numbers you'd see today. But at the same time, as we've said, it was a different game in in the '60s and in the in the early '70s than it is today. It's not the same. It's not as quarterback friendly. It's not as receiver friendly back then as it is now. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, and that's the thing now. But now we're in um in an era where. You know, just talking about Joe Namath's impact, the cultural impact. Yeah, and I think we're we're getting back to that now. Where, you know, I know there's a lot of celebrity going on with with football, and I think like with Mahomes and the Chiefs, with Travis Kelsey, um, having that pizzazz, having that celebrity thing, is a good thing because it for old guys like us it keeps that fan base young. And so, Howie, let me ask you with the CFL. Where where do you think we're at with the CFL with getting younger fans? Is it do you, are you up there are, are people talking more about the CFL now than they were a few years ago cuz this has been going around and around for years just talking it about has aging been, out and of the I fan base. It depends on what city you're in, but what I've noticed too is I want to say the last 25 years in Quebec, uh, football has really, really gained a, a stronghold there. And I'm really, really happy to see it. I mean, you've got uh, Laval University uh, in there in Quebec, and I think they're called the Rouge Or, the red and gold. And uh, they've become a football factory, a CFL factory uh, for players coming out of there. But it's not just there now. I mean, the Montreal, the Caribbean, uh, they, they've, you know, football, university football in Quebec has become so strong over the last 25 years. And, uh, I mean, you look at, you look at how crazy people were in Montreal last year for their, for their Grey Cup champion Alouettes. And, and it, it makes me happy and it makes me, um, optimistic that it can happen in, in a whole bunch of other markets. I mean, you don't, you never had to worry about that in Saskatchewan because the whole province is green and gold, green and white, and they love their Rough Riders. Uh, but, you know, in other places, it kind of goes up and down. I mean, even Edmonton, back, you know, 40 years ago, the Edmonton, if, if you had ever thought the Edmonton Eskimos would not draw 50,000 a game, uh, you know, you'd be crazy. And, and they built that stadium, Commonwealth Stadium, you know, to hold 50 some thousand people. And now they have trouble filling just the lower part of it. Uh, and you know, I, I think, I believe that everything goes in waves, uh, and, and, uh, you know, there are times when everything's popular and there are times when everything's not. And I mean, in the nineties, you had the, the league so strapped for money that they, they expanded into the United States and, uh, you know, uh, but 
every like i i've lived long enough now to see a lot of things go up and a lot of things go down and then a lot of things go up again and a lot of things go down again and and i'm a firm believer in in that wave theory in, when it comes to a lot of things, when it comes to sports, when it comes to individual players' performances, uh, you know, the waves can be narrower, the waves can be wider, but th- but everything goes in waves like that. And I, and I have no doubt that the CFL is is on it's on an upswing, yeah, in a lot of markets. Um, and it's just a matter. I mean, in Toronto last year, we saw we saw a a wonderful wonderful upswing in terms of of uh, fan. Uh, engagement last year especially when it came to them getting into the playoffs and 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 i mean they ended up losing to montreal it, it but uh you know i believe that that in toronto it's on the way up and, and if you've got a healthy league in toronto uh you've got a healthy league or if you're a healthy team in toronto you've got a healthy league and that that's always been my belief i mean i think back to when leo cahill was coaching uh, and general managing in toronto in the late 60s and early 70s and everybody hated toronto and attendance was up everywhere in the CFL because people would go to the parks wherever the city that whatever city they were playing when the Argos would come to town they would go to watch the games to hate watch the Argos you know people would scream at at, at the the Argos players and the and uh, and Leo Cahill because the team was built in his image they were brash they were cocky but they were good and i think that the league needs that they need a team like the like they need a villain. They need a heel like 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 wrestling has heels and, and, and baby faces. The the CFL needs a definite heel to make everybody else come out and scream at them. And um, with the Grey Cup being in Vancouver this year, this is a perfect opportunity. I mean, that's another thing too that I don't think people are really talking about yet. But the opportunity there, because I mean, traditionally, I mean, the Grey Cup usually, you know, to me, I mean, this is. I have yet, since I've been watching the CFL, I have not seen a Grey Cup in Vancouver. Since I've been watching it via internet, via network TV in the States. So this is going to be the first that I I can't even remember the last time Vancouver held a Grey Cup. Do you remember? Off the top of my head, no, but I know that they have. Yeah. But it's it's great to see. They have a beautiful, I mean, Vancouver's beautiful period. yeah, the stadium's yeah, this, been rebuilt because they rebuilt yeah. it for the. I mean, they they redid it for the Olympics and everything. Yeah. And but I think this is going to be a perfect opportunity for really with this Grey Cup in Vancouver because you got a, a, a new owner in Vancouver who is bending over backwards to bring people into the stadium to get yeah. the fan interest going, and he's done a good job. I think this is going to be the year that the CFL really shines, especially on the international stage and hopefully and on the national stage with um with to increase fan interest. I agree with you and I think that the the league needs more owners like him uh you know just to just to get things rolling. I mean, I remember in Ottawa and this doesn't have anything to do with the CFL but it it has something to do with with the topic. Um Ottawa their junior team, the junior hockey team, the 67s uh, they were kind of stagnant under under the ownership of, of Howard Darwin and Earl Montagano. And, and they're both wonderful, wonderful people. But their idea of marketing was games on Sunday night at, at 7, be there. Uh, and that was it. And then Jeff Hunt came in and just started blowing the doors off marketing-wise. And all of a sudden, you had the place, the arena was full again, you know, with five-figure attendances. And, uh, you know... Not to say anything bad about about uh, Mr. Darwin or Mr. Montagano, because I mean I remember those guys as being just amazing people, but sometimes you need that infusion of new blood just to get things 
just get things feeling a different way again and, and get the fans interested in something that they hadn't heard before. And, and like you said, in Vancouver and BC, it's, it's happening. And I remember living in Vancouver and having a hard time getting guys on my hockey team to go, I want to go see a football game, guys. Nah, it's, you know, no, but now it's, it's a totally different story. And uh, there's the, another subject that on social media that came up, and I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but uh, Milt Stiegel brought up the subject of American expansion. <sighs> that's exactly my res- that was exactly my uh, my response when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I saw it, and I yeah, I, I may have seen your post about it. I'm not sure, but but when I when I read that, I was like, uh, oh, we we went through that. I mean, I, I've talked to players, guys who played in the CFL at that time. And, I mean, they loved the parties. They loved going to, to the American cities that they would never would have seen otherwise for the parties. And, and I, I mean, Kenny Rare, who was, who was a receiver in Hamilton and in Ottawa, he, he loved – he has friends that he made, you know, in, in Baltimore and in different cities all over the U.S. where the, where the CFL was played because of that. But, he, I mean – Ken's the kind of guy he every if you if you're his friend for a day you're his friend forever. I mean he's a, just a wonderful wonderful guy, you know. And Darren Joseph was another guy who played uh, in the CFL at that time, and both of them agreed right away, right first thing. We, the CFL did that for the cash, and that was the only reason they did it. And I mean, unless they're doing it for the cash this time, which I hope, touch wood, that they're not just doing it for the cash because I hope they don't just need the cash. Uh, like that, I, I, I mean, I hope I hope he's just talking through his hat. I, I well, and that's kind of how I kind of read it too. Um, and but then he also I, I forget where if it was him or somebody else mentioned markets. And obviously, the markets that they they focused on were in Dave's neck of the woods up in uh, upstate New York. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 w- I would love to see a few more teams, but I don't want to. Yeah, no, I just don't. I just don't. I, don't, I, I, I guess I just see the NFL just being too much of a juggernaut here. Um, the the only the I mean, at the end of the day, the only I think the only cities that it could possibly work is if you if it was a city shunned by an NFL team. Or, or a team that has some kind of history with the CFL. Because I just don't think you could go into just a, just any market. If you went to Ro- Rochester, New York, you went to Rochester, New York and put a CFL team here, I just don't – I just don't – it's just not. What about a place like St. Louis? Well, you know, here's, here's my take on that. Because the United Football League obviously has their flag planted in St. Louis. And it is, I mean – for as big of a critic, everybody who's listened to our show knows I am of the UFL or the XFL. Really, to me, it's still, it, it's it, the XFL, UFL, not so much the USFL, but, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. But the, the UFL has got their, that's their flagship franchise. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the UFL. I mean, you know, a lot of promises have been made, a lot of hypes out there. In fact, so much hype that I've kind of had to turn it off on my social media feed because it's just become too much. Um, but let's just say hypothetically that the UFL just falls flat, but the St. Louis franchise does well. 
kind of like with the old Cleveland Browns of the AAFC. Completely dominant team, attendance, attendance-wise, performance-wise, yet the league went away. If that happens, you're going to start seeing rumors and speculation about the Battle Hawks joining the CFL. I don't think it's going to happen because, number one, you got to have a stadium that fits the CFL field, and St. Louis does not have one. At least not right now, unless they're building a, a soccer stadium that can, you know, they can move and reconfigure. But yeah, I don't see it happening. Dave, what do you think? I, and and I, if if the CFL if if that was brought up to make to get that tenth team to round it out, and I I, I could see them tracking the UFL progress in in St. Louis. And I mean, remember too is I don't know, I don't know if they spend all that money that Stan Kroenke and the NFL gave them yet. So, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. They're, they're sitting on about, well, I'm not sure they're sitting on it anymore, but they received $800 million from the wow. NFL and, and Kroenke when, when the Rams left. So there's been a lot of talk of how they're using that. I'm, I'm assuming they're probably used a lot of it, but that that's found money. So, I mean, yeah, I, I could yeah. see them, I, I could see them maybe not, maybe not building a new facility, but I could see them spending some money to retrofit that. It's got more than enough seats. If they took out some seats to to uh, make the field fit, I mean, like I said, it's wild speculation, but um, that would be uh, that would be a uh, it seems to be a logical spot to look for a tenth team if it doesn't happen in Canada. I know personally, I'd rather I think I'd rather see a team in Halifax or Quebec City than go to the states. That's just me. I agree. I'm I'm hundred percent with you. Yeah, me too. I think they need to grow the game in Canada, period. Yeah. Before but the problem is they've been wanting to do this. They've been talking about a team in the Maritimes for decades. Uh, I can remember them talking about the Atlantic Schooners years and years and years ago. I can remember in 2014, 2015, uh, when the Red Blacks came back in, the way that they, the way that the city of Ottawa had revitalized that whole area around the stadium, putting restaurants and and bars all around it and, and making it a kind of a, a place to be. Uh, and, and the people from, from the Maritimes in Halifax looking at that and saying, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. And, and uh, I mean, they were talking about building an area, modeling it exactly the way that Ottawa had built their area around, around the, uh, uh, the stadium. And I can, I mean, I remember as a kid that when none of that was there, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was just pavement. It was all just pavement. And, uh, uh, but Ottawa was a funny city that way. I mean, you've, you've got the residents around the, uh, the stadium where the, where the stadium is, it's a very nice part of town and they don't like having all the noise and all the traffic and everything on game days. It's like, uh, you know, like Thurston Howell, the third saying, good heavens, love you, Yale man. Uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's how it is. It's, it's a funny place. It is a funny place. To quote uh, somebody from the uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and with Quebec yeah. City, though, do you think Quebec City has a better shot? Of I think a team? I think at this point, very right now, yes, I believe they do. I believe they do. Uh, the way that, like I said, football has grown in the last 25 years, 30 years. Uh, I believe that uh, there could easily be a team in Quebec uh, just as easily as there could be in Halifax right now. And what about London too? Is that uh, they, I that remember London talking about London. I can remember talking about London about fifty years ago, uh, expanding to London, and it was a very, very real prospect at that time. 
uh, but I haven't heard much about London um, in the last oh few decades. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, and that, and that may just be my fault. May that may just be me not having my ear out enough. But uh, I remember London more in the early seventies than I do uh, anything in the in the two thousands. Right, and then I was going to even suggest Windsor because drawing on that whole Detroit area. I mean, it's still. Windsor is part of a major metropolitan area, oh. but obviously with the right now, at least right now with the success of the lions, just, you know, I mean, nobody's going to attend a, a CFL game um, or at least give a whole lot of attention to the CFL in Detroit. When you've got a lions team that, you know, hopefully next year, you know, gets over the hump and, and makes it to the, makes it to the Super Bowl. Well, it would be a nice, it would be a nice, nice thing, and if they could have somebody on the sidelines next to Dan Campbell saying, uh, "Kick a field goal, kick a field goal." <laughs> now, looking at um, Halifax and looking at Quebec City, is it um, ownership and facilities? Is there any? I know they they want to set up the stands in Halifax and and do some things like that, but is it, is it really? Whatever, if it's one of those two cities, it's it's getting it all. It's getting a stadium built, getting an owner. I think it's a it's a very very similar situation to baseball in Montreal again. Uh, and until they get a real stadium downtown in Montreal, yep. you'll never see baseball in Montreal again. And it's the same same thing I think in Halifax. I mean, they don't even have. Uh, they have universities, but every time they they do the uh, kind of the uh, CFL. Uh, you know, they, they they play a game out there. They've got to they've got to put fake or they've got to put temporary seats up at a yep. at a college stadium just to get you know to get it to ten thousand ish. Uh, but I mean, the people love it. The people have fun. But it's once yep. a year, and for yep. ten dates a year or nine dates a year, or whatever, uh, you know, would they be able to have the same enthusiasm? That's a question. That's a good question. But they need a good place that'll hold twenty twenty five thousand people. Yep. Yeah. So, well, how yep. is we're 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 wanted to wrap everything up. Let's go back to free agency. Let's yes, talk yes. where we're. Let's, I, what, let's, is that what the topic was? I, I forgot. That's what the top. When we start, it, go ahead, Dave. I, I have one question. I have one more. My own question, just going for my notes, is how. What do you What do you think of Toronto West is going to do? Being the Edmonton Elks with <laughs> uh, Bethel Thompson, Gittins, like like it, it's. It seems like hey, you know what. If you're if you're from Toronto and you live in Edmonton, we have your favorite Argos playing this well, year. One of the best uh, kick returners uh, in the in the league, Javon Leak, who played for the Argos last yep. year, is out in Edmonton now. Uh, Boris Beatty, who has a, you know an a sixty-five yard leg easily, is out in yep. Edmonton now. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like I I would I personally. Having grown up with Edmonton being this this juggernaut that that was uh, unbeatable uh, when I was younger, I would love to see Edmonton regain that again, and I would love to see the fans of Edmonton just develop that enthusiasm again. Um, I, I I mean, Jed Roberts is a guy who played at Edmonton for 13 years, and and I had him on on uh, the Sports Lunatics show uh, in 2023, and just an amazing guy. And and from everything, I mean, just talking to him for 45 minutes. It got me fired up about Edmonton football. You know, I would love to see Edmonton football revived and have a resurgence in 2024, make the playoffs and do some damage. I'd love to see it. And see those stand, see and see that stadium packed. 
Oh, yes. absolutely, yes. If not packed, at least packed up to a certain level so that the TV cameras don't see empty seats when the ball's being thrown or kicked or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just it's just it's just wild looking at the agency and like Eugene Lewis might not even be considered their number one receiver anymore. Well, how old is he now? Well, yeah, that I mean that 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 plays in that that plays into it as well. But it's just it just seems like he just he's thirty. It feels like he's been around the CFL forever. It just feels like that. But I mean, there's a lot of guys like that too that that I've been yes. I've been watching them, and I feel like I've been watching them since I was nine years old. But I haven't really. It's just that's see you know. the, the the pandemic. The pandemic feels like it added ten years to everybody. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. It 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 it, it feels like it added. I I saw something came up in my Facebook uh, uh, memories today, and it's me sitting behind a desk of the Ultimate Sports Quiz, and uh, you know I said. Oh my God! I, you know, first of all, my tie looks like something Jerry Seinfeld would have worn in 1992. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it feels like we've all we've all grown old in a hurry. Yeah, well, you know, it's all it's physically yes, but mentally, nah, we're all. Still no, 12. you're absolutely right. We're I, all. Still you know what? Something we were talking about all last last week, all being 12 years old again. I brought that up today when I was getting the staples removed from my hip. Uh, you know, with, with the nurses that were there, and one of the nurses looked at me and said, "That's a wonderful way to look at things." I said, "Yeah, yep, yeah, let's all be 12 I, years old again." I tell you what, man. I you know I live in in Japan. Japan is growing old. So when we go out. I mean, my wife and I, we're still young compared to, I mean, this country is aging quickly and, it, you know, it's doing, it, you know, but that's what the great thing about sports is. It keeps us, you know, forever young. And yeah. um, I know the, uh, the, the, uh, the Mexican league, the LFA is starting play here very shortly. And I'm complete, I'm geared up like a 10 year old for this league because <laughs> this is the first, you know, at least for me personally. This is the first spring where I am not, my head's not spinning like a top where I'm not stressing out about life or I'm not stressing out about a lot of things. I'm settled in, in Japan. I can focus in on the spring game. I know last year, Dave and I, we, uh, that's how Dave and I got to be good friends is doing our little, uh, XFL, XFL show covering the media. But even then I really didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, cause I was still settling in, but this year I got the LFA. Dave and I, I know we're going to be launching our little Gridiron Mexico, our Gridiron Mexico podcast, um, probably starting the week after next, after our probably next week, but we'll see. It's it's in the works. Um, but I'm genuinely excited, not only about you know the LFA starting because if you, if, how have you watched any of those teams or any of those games? No, I haven't. Uh, my my focus here it's it's February and we're getting into uh, the run for the for the hockey playoffs now. So I mean, I've got I've been watching hockey every night, and of course, uh, one of the things that's also on right now is the women's Canadian uh, curling championships. And I know that's not a big deal anywhere else, but here. But I, I mean, no, and I'm serious about that. I mean, it's no, I know, I know. I'm just, I agree with you. Yeah. I know it's one of those things that when I'm at home at this time of the year, I'll sit down with my mom and we'll watch it together. And the other night, I watched a, a, an NHL game and then I turned over to the end of of the uh, the Scotties, which is the women's championships. And I thought of my mom, and my mom's 87 now. And and uh, you know, I, I thought of my mom, and I you know, I posted a thing on Facebook saying, you know, I, I I wish I was there right now so I could sit there with my mom and watch the end of the Scotties. And uh, mm. You know, and and uh, so that's it's just one of those things that it's a family thing, I think, more than anything else. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's so much support, but going, you know, the LFA, they're they're all their games are going to be on YouTube. So watching it, not going to be an issue. You don't have to really search for it. You just go to YouTube and watch the games. And um, then we got the CFL coming up. I mean, really, the CFL season's coming up quicker. I mean, soon. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was no, no. I was going to say one of the things you were talking about YouTube and stuff like that. Now the CFL has has uh, come up with streaming uh, uh, options for people because one of the things I used to hear from people all the time, younger people who don't who aren't who don't aren't addicted to the cable on their TV or anything like that, is why can't I watch it if I don't have cable? You know, well now there are all kinds of different options for people to watch CFL games, just like you said, Greg, with with the uh, LFA. You know, it, there there are ways for people to watch the CFL now that they didn't have before. Younger people yeah. can get more engaged with the CFL uh, that way because uh, it's it's easier for them not to, to watch the games without having cable. Right. Well, and everybody watches stuff on you know, everybody. Whoops. Everybody watches stuff on their phones. Exactly. I mean, it, we're, you know, just even doing this. I mean, you know, um, everything. Yeah. The world is. You know, the world went from being on cable. From antenna to cable, and now everything's streaming. Yeah, um, so it's just it's just an amazing world we live in. And um, but going going back to free agency, we still have a lot of people that have not signed yet. Yes, who do we have left that has not been signed? And when is the when does free agency close here? Because there's a couple names on there that uh, still have not signed, and I'm a BC Lions fan, and there's a lucky seven there that uh, yes. I don't know if Dan or going. Lucky Whitehead. There's a guy in Ottawa, Sherrod Baltimore, who's a DB that uh, has been a, a big cog in, in their defense over the last few years. And he's a fan favorite as well. And and I, I, I can't see him going unsigned. Uh, I saw uh, Greg Ellingson as, as a free agent. Now, I mean, I know he's getting up there in age now, but but he's a, he's a guy who can who can get you some valuable yards when you need it. He's a great route runner. Uh, if not, he's not the fastest guy, but he's a great route runner and, and he can you know, he can, uh, those, those are two guys that, that he came to my mind, but lucky whitehead, of course, uh, is, is a huge name. And Dave, anybody, Dave? anybody else that out there, uh, like I said, I, and the biggest one for me is lucky whitehead is where he's going to go. Cause that, that's like, I, I'm, there's, there's some good players out there. Definitely. Cause you're going to offer some offense, good, some offensive linemen, some secondary defensive players. But if you're, if you're looking to still, make a move or make a play or if you're a team that's out there looking to grab that one more one more piece instead of trying to go through the draft and try and do this and try and do that and try and piecemeal something that's what that's why I think is the, the biggest prize left but there's only there's only nine teams and he's probably not going to re-sign with it, the the options available Tim are it's it's really Calgary, you look at the options who are out there, it, it's, I can see why he's waiting. <laughs> I can, I well, can see the why. problem with waiting, too, is that with CFL free agency the way it is, the amount of money just goes squeezes and squeezes and yes. squeezes as yep. the closer you get to the end of free agency. And so will there be money left to sign a guy like Lucky Whitehead? It, it, true, 100%. And I mentioned earlier that I that I had asked Don Landry uh, in his in his uh, talks with Tim White, you know, what Ottawa, how close Ottawa was to Hamilton's offer, and he messaged me back and he said, "Thanks, Tim's a great guy to speak with." No, I don't have specifics on Ottawa's offer, so I, that's all I can tell you right now. But, but I'm curious too, it with it, with Whitehead's case too, it when I brought up earlier about that mysterious marketing money piece, 
if he, he could be sitting at a couple offers and his agent going, can you get me 25,000 more for this or that? Like I, I they, uh, when you brought up Chad Kelly or they restructured his and a lot of his original deal was that marketing money that technically they don't have to give him. It, it's one of those things where there's a minimum they have to spend no ceiling saying, go, we'll give you $200,000 and it's up to them to actually give it to you or not. So I'm curious too, if there's some offers on the table for some of these players and they're just trying, okay, you're gonna give me 25, who can give me 30? Like it, it just, it just wander along and see where that it might be $175,000 a year, but 245 after the incentives of the marketing money and, and see who can, who can find enough, um, I'm going to Canadian tire or, or Tim Horn's money floating around that they can take out of this piece of the budget and put into this piece of the budget. Because I'll be honest, when I, in my days working um, in minor league hockey, we had one of our, one of our minority owners wanted to sign um, a career journeyman minor league player. And he went to the owner and said, look, I will pay for his salary. Wow. Sign him. And I will write the check to have him here because he's a friend of mine. I want, and he was a really good player. So, I mean, I'm not going to, it was a, it was a great decision because he led the team in scoring. It was, it was a, it was a great move, but it was one of those things where being an affiliate of the Buffalo Sabres, the old thing you had, well, years ago, you had five or six veterans that you could bring in. And once you get to a certain number, you can, and you have a, but he goes, Nope, I want him. I will gladly write a check for him. So, Curious if that is the case with some of the owners as well. It's like, we'll see what you can get, and then we'll supplement it over here with the rest. One of the things that's always been a huge source of frustration, not just for me, but for a lot of people, has been the the, the coaching cap, which I, I would love to see the CFL scrap that and and uh, just you know pay the coaches and pay pay the front office people whatever you you want to pay them. It, it doesn't make any sense for me uh, that there's a coaching cap, but I. I what I mean, is maybe. what is the what is the cap? Is it where where are they capped out at? I don't know the actual number, okay. but I know right. that it does prevent it does prevent a lot of teams from from uh, from getting the people that they want to get in terms in certain positions. But then I Isn't look at the Red Blacks. It's based on the whole staff, right, Howie? Is that how I it is? So. I believe so. Yeah. Right, but I know. I look at I look at Ottawa's staff this year, and I know how they used to get by with a head coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and now they've got nine coaches. So I mean. I, they're doing it somehow in Ottawa. Well, it's um, yeah. I didn't know they. I did not know that there was a. And I probably should have known that, but I didn't realize that there was a a significant cap on the amount of money paid to the coaches. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's a huge source of frustration for a lot of a lot of fans uh, and a lot of people in the game as well. Wow! Wow! And um, I'm trying to think here. What other topics on the CFL? Any, any guys? Any topics that I'm that I've kind of missed? There was something that we, came out tonight, talked. right before we went to air. There was a story that came out in Toronto, and it's not a good news story. Um, it's it's a story about uh, strength and conditioning coach, a female strength and conditioning coach in Toronto, uh, Rick Westhead, uh, who is has tremendous sources, and he's the guy that blew the lid off of the uh, the story about the junior hockey players in London in 2018. Uh, but he says that Chad Kelly uh, sexually harassed the female strength and conditioning coach. And when she went to the assistant GM, uh, he said, you're opening uh, a can of, of worms that you should not be opening. And so now 
I don't know any more than that. That 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 was right before we went out uh, went on the air, uh, but I'm sure we'll hear more of that in the future. Mm, yeah, and that's not good. I mean, that's not that's not that's just not good. No, that's just not good. And no. uh, Dave, anything else that I uh, any any other CFL topics uh, before we uh, get off air here? No, it was it was good talk. Good 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 job. It's fun, gentlemen. Yeah. And it's 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 Howie. It well, we didn't talk about your book. I know we talked about your book last week, but for those who have not seen or heard the last episode, tell everybody about your book. Well, uh, my I have two books out in 2023: Crazy Days and Wild Nights, and More Crazy Days and Wild Nights. Uh, both of them. I mean, I'm a sports history guy. The stories in the books are sports history, but they have a twist in them. And usually in most of the stories that I've in both books, there's something unforeseen unplanned for that happens that forces the principals in the stories to have to deal with them for a period of time, possibly the rest of their career or the rest of their lives. In some cases, uh, some of the stories are sad. Some of the stories are violent. Some of the stories are hilarious. Uh, but, uh, there are, they are stories that, uh, 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 what people tell me they, they're loving the stories that they're reading. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I've, this week, I've had a number of people message me through social media saying, how can I get a signed copy? Uh, I sent out a copy to South, South, South Carolina the other day. Just had, before we came on the air, there was a guy uh, in, uh, I believe he's in Peoria, Illinois, and he wants a copy. And uh, he's, he just he said he's mailing me a check. Uh, it's, it's, nice. it's that kind of thing uh, where, you know, get, get the book on Amazon. That's the best place to get it. Uh, if you have Prime, it'll be at your place in a day or a day and a half. But if you want to message me on social media, if you want a signed copy, we can figure out a way to get you a copy as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. And how can everybody find you on social media um, and with the Sports Lunatic Show? Well, we didn't even get you. to that. Happy thank anniversary you. to uh, for, for the Sports Lunatic Show. <laughs> That's right. It's today our fourth was... anniversary yeah, today. And our very first episode was about something else that happened on this date in sports history. It was about the miracle on ice. Uh, our first show was on this date in 2020. It was the 40th anniversary of the miracle on ice. That episode, it's a very subdued episode can can, can, compared to the way we do our shows today. But that episode is available. You can listen to it on Apple's podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, just scroll down and, and you'll, you'll see it'll say our first episode. Uh, and it's about that. But also, the sportslunatics.com. Uh, you can find a whole bunch of, of material there. Uh, there's new material going up pretty much every day. Uh, we just posted a, a piece that we did yesterday on the 50th anniversary of the passing of Tim Horton. Dave, you remember that. I remember that. Uh, I mean, I was 14 years old at that time, and I was over at a friend's place when we heard the news. And back then, the news was transmitted a lot differently than it is today. It took time for stories to make it out to, to uh, different places. And by the time we heard it, it was the next morning. And I remember looking at my buddy, John Hughes, and we looked at each other just in shocked silence that that uh, Tim Horton had, had was gone. And I think of him when he played with the Leafs. Can you imagine a Leafs defense pairing of Tim Horton and Borea Salming together? Those two guys they're strong like oxes. And there's a, a Tim Horton story that I heard and he was in a hotel on a road trip and uh, he put some money into a, a Coke machine or a, a pop machine on his floor. And he went down to the front desk to say that like the pop machine didn't give me my pop. And they said, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it right now. 
uh, but I'll look at it, you know, when I get a chance to look at the machine. Tim Horton went up to his floor, picked up the, the pop machine, put it in the elevator, carried it down to the lobby and carried it out to the front lobby, the front of the, the guy. He was that strong. And, and he said, here's the machine. It won't give me my pop. You know, and that's how strong <laughs> Tim Horton was. Um, to, when, when he opened his first Tim Horton's restaurant, the, the, you know, the, uh, the donut shops that, that everybody knows um, in Canada and in parts of the U.S., uh, his first one was in Hamilton, and uh, he he was playing for the Leafs at the time, and he he convinced five of the Leafs teammates to go out to uh, to the restaurant to sign autographs, and he promised each of them twenty five bucks. And at the end of the the little segment of time, you know, he was paying each guy twenty five bucks, and he got to Johnny Bauer, and and he didn't have twenty five dollars to give to Johnny Bauer. He says, "I promise, I'll give it to you tomorrow morning when we have our morning skate." So. The guys get to the arena. Johnny Bauer gets to his stall in the uh, in the um, the dressing room, and he he sees there's twenty five dollars worth of donuts all stacked up in his stall, and he says, "Tim, get these out of here. Punch Punch Imlac's gonna think I'm I'm just a donut eating pig." You know, I, and uh, you know, th th these are the, the stories of Tim Horton that go around, and and uh, but uh, yeah, Tim Horton's fiftieth anniversary of his passing yesterday. Our latest piece up on thesportslunatics.com is is the uh, is there. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be putting the, all. It was the, a great, uh, great episode, Howie. You, you and Sean, great episodes. Fantastic. Oh, thanks, Dave. Thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate it. Uh, we got the the YouTube version uh, up on on uh, thesportslunatics.com right now, so uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time, you know, next time we sit down and talk, we can bring Sean on too. Absolutely, he a... he hosts the trivia nights on Thursday nights, so that's that's the reason he can't be here tonight or, or last week. But yeah, well, we, we, yeah. Yeah, it's go, a great oh, source ahead. of fun for him. To... It's a great source of fun for him too, hosting those trivia nights. But uh, yeah. uh, that's why he's not here on Thursday nights. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely, you know, as as we march through, you know, towards the start of the CFL season, we'll we'll figure something out to to get all four of us on screen here. Sure. And um, for um, so with that said, I'm going to sign off here for everybody who is wa who ends up watching because we're doing a live stream um, right now, but. This is going to be on the YouTube. Our, um, if you look for Gridiron America on YouTube, that's where you can find it. There's going to be a, there's a, we have a Facebook page from the 55 yard line is on, that's our Facebook page, but you can also find the podcast itself at from the 55 yard line.ca and that's on the sports history network. And, um, Dave and I, uh, like I said, we like, you know what, we've been doing weekly shows here. So, um, it's always good to sit down and talk just talk sports. So, um, you know, Howie, obviously, you know, you're, you're now an unofficial part of the team. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, and how, how's the recovery going? I know, uh, how, how soon before you get back on the field to play? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I feel like I'm walking around like, uh, like Igor on uh, young Frankenstein right now, but one of the nurses at the hospital today said, you know, you're walking pretty well for a guy who had a hip replacement two weeks ago. So I'll take, I'll take whatever I can get that way. I, I don't feel like I'm like, I'm walking that well, but, but she thought I was walking well. So anyway, I just, and, and I wanted to say thanks to you guys for having me on uh, tonight. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great fun coming on with you guys and, and always fun to talk about, about the CFL and whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, and we got to do more of this too, because I mean, with CFL season approaching, um, and we got a lot of football in the next few months with you know the LFA, the UFL, the, the CFL, and that's before we even start you know talking NFL. But lastly, too, we've got the CFL. When does the CFL draft come? That's coming up quick too. 
It is. It is coming up. Uh, I know training camps will be open. It, it just it feels like it's like we're already at the end of February almost, and I, I just can't yeah. believe it. Uh, but training camps will be open probably in, in the beginning of May, and uh, uh, the season will be starting in June. And uh, uh, you know, it's 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 just it's coming on us really fast. You're absolutely right. Yeah, just how quick. I mean, the, the seasons are changing. I know next week. I just got the alerts. Uh, the Japanese baseball season spring training games are going to be on TV. So. Yeah, it's quickly going from winter into spring here, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun spring, I think. It's well, gonna, it just it's got reported lot, today. It got about. reported today that Hanjin Ryu, who was pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays for the last few years, has signed with uh, a team in the in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. Ah. So, you know, yeah, he, he's he's uh, he's gonna be it's there. The, it's the richest deal ever, wasn't it? Like he got he got paid a lot of money to go back. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I, uh, a guy of his stature, a guy, and he could still yeah. pitch in, the, in in Major League Baseball. So, uh, yeah, for him well, to be able to go back there, it's. Uh, I mean, they, it's good for him and good for the league. Uh, yeah. I hope it. Uh, I hope they get uh, they can recoup all that. Well, it's funny because you know the Koreans have got to keep pace with the Japanese when it comes to baseball because last year in the World Baseball Classic. Korea lost to Japan yet again. So there's a lot of national pride that goes on with baseball on this side of the world. And, um, you know, Dave and I, I remember last year, Dave and I were sitting down watching, we were basically watching the World Baseball Classic together and watching Japan, um, you know, beat the USA. And uh, it's just, you know, most of the country was watching the game. And I know back in the States and back in Canada, People don't watch baseball like they used to. Well, I was at my mom's place. I was at my mom's place that that night, and I can remember watching, you know, Shohei Otani and Mar- and Mike Trout and it, that that showdown to end that game. It was just, it was, it was absolutely riveting. Well, I tell you what, the major, major league baseball, if they have financial problems, <laughs> they can just sell this this place. Uh, you can, it's like printing money here with Shohei Otani stuff. Oh, I'm it's sure. Everywhere. Every everybody's a Dodgers fan. They used to be Angels fans. Now they're Dodger fans. Yeah. Um, and my mother-in-law the other day is like, um, you're gonna basically implied, are you gonna root for the Dodgers? I'm like, no, I'm a Cub <laughs> fan. <laughs> I grew I, you know, once you you grow up with the team, you don't let it go, especially for the Dodgers. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I know I have a friend who is is uh a diehard Dodger hater. And uh, I mean, I grew up liking the Dodgers. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was a Montreal Expos fan to start. And then I looked enviously around, around baseball at teams like the Reds, you know, and the big red machine and the Dodgers and the Pittsburgh Pirates who were all these strong, strong teams. And my, my poor Expos didn't start to gain respectability until Tony Perez was traded to Montreal in 70, in the winter of 76 and going into 77. And from there, they went to uh, 77, 78, 79. 79, I think they won They won 90-some games, and they finished a game and a half behind Pittsburgh, the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates that year. And uh, they were that close. And that, that 79 Expos team is one of the best Expos teams I think they've ever put on the field. Yeah, I remember that 79 season. Well, I was like 12 years old. And um, I'm trying to think, what year was it that Pete Rose played for the, the Expos? Howie, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> uh, were you able to hear that? He got his four thousandth hit as a member of the Expos. No, I didn't hear it. There, we had a we yeah. had a glitch in the we had yeah. a glitch in the Matrix here. I believe it was 80, 1980. Uh, but yeah, Pete Rose got his four thousandth hit as a Montreal Expo. Okay, yeah, because um, I remember he played for he had you know basically. <clears throat> Or did he play in 84? Now that I'm thinking he, about it. It was 84. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was 84. And it the reason after, why... It was yeah, after oh, they, ahead, they had made... It was after they had made their runs uh, in 80 and 81 and 82. Uh, you're right. It was 84. Because my most memorable Montreal Expos moment, and I there's, you know, it, it's a limited selection is really of one. Um, I was at Wrigley Field with my dad. It was my birthday. It was a present for my birthday. And that was the year the Cubs won the, you know, won the division. And Pete Rose pinch, was pinch hitting. And he hit the ball. It was a line drive, which bounced off of, it might have been Lee Smith. Oh. And, you know, it was an out. You know, it was caught for an out and everything. Fast forward 40 years later during a cel- they had a celebration on WGN of, of Wrigley Field and famous moments. I'll be damned if they didn't show that play. And I'm like all excited you know, showing my wife. I go, I was at that game. And Marco's like, yeah, big, yeah, well, that's nice. So, but that's, that's my, that's my most favorite Montreal Expos moment was that moment. Wow. I was actually watching that, but it's, you know, we all have our, we all have our own personal baseball moments. So we do, how about you, Dave? Uh, Anything is anybody who's listening to the audio is not seeing the fact that Dave is wearing a Montreal Expos hat. Yes, and I love that hat, by the way. I, I uh, the, this is my fourth one. My first one I got was I, I went, in, I was in Montreal the summer before my daughter was born. So this is 2017, and I went into 15 different oh. stores in Montreal looking for an Expos hat. Really? Was, I, I was shocked it was that hard to find. Like we were walking right in downtown Montreal, like in every single shop, just uh, doing the touristy thing, just walking in, Expo's hat? Like, that's <laughs> like, but I finally found one. I was like, I'm just going to take it. And I just grabbed it. I'm like, I got to get it. So it's nice that MLB has brought it back to be able to get more of them because for a while there was, it was really hard to get. I had an old school blue, the old full yes. blue with the logo when I was a kid growing up, but it, it's hard to, it, it was really hard to find for a long time. Well, it's funny I can remember you when, mention it. Oh, well, I remember when we were kids, the, the, uh, when the Expos came in in 69, uh, there was a grocery store that was Montreal-based. It was called Steinberg's, and we had one in Ottawa, not far from where we lived. And my mom would do her groceries there every Friday night. And we, we demanded that she go to Steinberg's because they had all the Expos merchandise. Well, they didn't have a lot, but you could get the plastic uh, batting helmets, you know, the souvenir yep. batting helmets. And uh, I remember seeing somebody with the shiny blue Expos jacket. And I thought, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that, in 1969, 1970, that was something that was like, that was like having the precious, the, the ring, the precious, you know. <laughs> precious. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, you're talking about tr- looking high and low for Expos merchandise. When we were in Montreal last year, it was right before we went to Canada. We spent seven days in Canada before we hopped on a plane and, 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 and moved over here. But going into, especially like, well, in the old city, in, in the old quarter, there was Montreal Expo stuff everywhere. It was, really? I was amazed. 
and I didn't buy any expo stuff though. I wanted to, but I got gently, gently <laughs> talked out of it. Um, cause there was a lot there, but I was looking for, and this is kind of tying in with the CFL, but I was looking for a Montreal, anything Montreal Alouettes. Oh, I found in one, I couldn't find anything. I mean, there was one shop that sold my favorite style, you know, those relaxed fit caps with the current Montreal Alouettes logo. And then there was another shop I found obscure back in the back with dust on it, stuff with the old logo with yes. the, when, after they, they came up from Baltimore, Yes, but there was nothing other than that. So it's like, you know, the, it, you know, for those, it was, it was disheartening to see there was just no Alouette stuff, it, you know? So, you know, but is it the same in Ottawa? Is it the same in Toronto? Can you find that stuff? Cause even in Ottawa, I couldn't find red black stuff. Really? Did you go yeah. to the Red Black shop? There's a Red Black well, shop at Lansdowne down- Park. Okay, now I know we never made it down to Lansdowne Park, but oh, you know I was over by the I was over by Parliament and oh, uh, yeah. I didn't see anything. It depends on where you go, uh, but I mean, like I say, Ottawa's a funny place. Uh, but if you go, like I, I took my son to the shop uh, one one time. This is a few years ago. It was it was after the 2017 Grey Cup, so it was going into 2018, and. Uh, for some reason, we had we had we were walking around and we were I, we were close to the field. We stopped at the giant statue of Frank Clare, and I put my program up on the thing to help him either tie a, tie up something or do something. Forgot the program there. The next year, we went to the shop and told them that they we bought some a few things. They gave us another program from the game. Oh, but nice! It's <clears throat> not the same thing, but it's it, it's something. And and yeah. I mean. What, that's one of my pet peeves now in a lot of sports venues is that there are no programs anymore. There are no tickets anywhere anymore either. Right. It's, it's all on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the CFL has really never done a great job of marketing it itself, um, which has always been frustrating. And I know it's frustrating, you know, up there and just as frustrating for got people living outside of Canada just to get the swag. I mean, I don't have, yeah. I mean, I'd love to have a ton of CFL stuff. I mean, in the back, I've got a ton of CFL mini helmets. Yes. But those were all purchased, you know, those all, you know, those all came from the States, but yeah, it's just frustrating as a CFL fan that the, 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 and that'll probably be a topic for, for another show that we do is just the way the CFL, the CFL obviously needs to get, you know, Get into the third century of the twenty, getting it to the third decade of the twenty first century, <laughs> or into the twenty, into the twenty first century would be good too. Yeah, just something to market, market it, and uh, get the younger kids, younger fans excited about it, including you know maybe an add on, a CFL add on for for man football, something. Yeah, but. I mean, I mean, I I I bought tickets for a, a Red Blacks game through the website back in 2014 and i get emails all the time still and they still send me emails for when they're when the red blacks are having their team equipment sale because they, they can't use equipment from one year to the next it just loses it so I, I i have a red blacks helmet i have a couple of practice jerseys as well uh that i bought one time when when my son and i were there in ottawa on the day of the sale and we lined up and by the time we got into the into the room to get stuff there wasn't much left but you know we got yeah. like i said we got a helmet and a couple of practice jerseys and i mean it doesn't matter to me who they are it's just the fact that they've got the cfl logo on the yoke right. and, uh, you know it's it's and the, the red blacks helmet is a real red blacks helmet nigel romick wore it uh at, in in 2015 
So, I mean, I that that's all that matters to me. Yeah, I know when I was in Quebec City in 2002, um, I there, there was a lot of shops, sold a lot of NFL stuff, and this was right after the the Alouettes, I think, won the Great Cup that year, and there was I found one I found one Alouettes jersey. That was it. So I, I've never been a fan of the Alouettes new logos. I mean, from from I don't know 2000 on. I mean, but the thing is. I, I could I have a memory that goes back to you know the 60s of the Alouettes and when they wore red jerseys with that with similar to the Philadelphia Eagles except it was a red leaf on the on the white helmet you know yeah. and, and uh, a red wing sorry on the white helmet and uh I mean then then they went to a green jersey with with a, a stylized a uh that was a, a bird's head uh you know and then it, just from there you know then they had the triangle with the m a on it uh, and it just goes go back to all that, and I found those are a lot more imaginative or a lot more, I guess, uh, magnetic or compelling than than the new stuff is to me anyway. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's much like you know, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Dave. Every now and then, when we do a podcast, Dave will pop up with his creamsicle, his creamsicle Buccaneers hat with the old logo, and, and rightly me, so. Yeah, that's the way that that's that's you know whether you know I I I love the old logos, love the old the old school. Some of the you know like right now with Toronto, they've gone to the light blue is kind of their primary color. Yeah, that's a great look. Personally, I would love to see them go back to the seventies, uh, the nineteen seventy one Joe Theismann style jersey, the dark blue with the white mm. numbers and the and the light blue and white stripes on the arm. That that to me was the most beautiful Toronto Argonaut uniform that ever was. <laughs> well, on that note, we will wrap up the fashion segment of our our, our podcast. And um, listen, everybody who's um, tuning in. And if you're watching, if you end up what if you're watching this on YouTube, very much thank you very much for for stopping by to give us a watch. And we're going to be this, you know, I think you know a couple things here as as we're wrapping up here. Number one, no blue screen of death, so <laughs> this this seemed to work well. Uh, second of all, you know, we've got all three of us here in the uh, in the uh, in the screen, which I did not have using Zoom on the last one that we did. So I think uh, I think Streamyard might be the keeper here, and uh, unless I am uh, unless I see anything different, because doing these video things, everybody's been doing them, and people have been saying to me, "Hey, you got to do the video, you got to do the video, you got to do the video." Well, I think this might be the the route to go because it's simple. I can put a logo, let's see, right up there. I can put the logo right up there where the duck is, and. Uh, that's all I really need to do. Now I just need to figure out how to do uh, a nice fancy intro like uh, some of these other guys do with their, their video cast. And I think we will be set. So part of the learning curve. So I'm actually farther along in this learning how to video, learning how to do this video stuff than I thought I would be about two weeks ago. So, all right. With all that said, Hey, thank you very much for everybody who is listening and watching. And um, we will be back next week. Don't know what our topic's going to be. Uh, hopefully, we'll have our plan is to bring Fran back to do a around the league segment. And, um, you yeah, everybody and Howie, we'll be talking more CFL football here uh, as we kind of go along. Because, especially after the draft, it, once after the draft, I know we're, get, we're definitely going to be doing a, a post draft show. So, 
Okay. Well, with all that said on my part, thank you very much for tuning in and we will be talking to you and seeing you very, very soon. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.